Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. The world has gone through an incredible year of 2020. If you weren't alive during the World War of the 1940s, then this is the greatest event of your life. This is the greatest world event of your life. For the first time since the 1940s, the whole world was going through the same thing at the same time. For the first time, there was one situation. Since then, there has been earthquakes and there's been droughts and there's been floods and all kinds of things, but they were always localized in a specific area. There's been tsunamis and what kind of earthquakes but they were always affecting one country or one area or one continent at a time. But this pandemic hit the whole world at the same time. It has stopped the financial flow. It has stopped the air flying around, the transportation. Everything has just come to a stop. And what we knew in 1999, I mean 2019, we never could have imagined where we would be in September of 2020. But that shaking, you know, on a worldwide level is something that happens every now and again. It happens and it brings people back to God. It's always an opportunity for God to do something brand new across the world. And as the prophetic word has just come, I want to be part of that process. So my uh, sermon is named Time of restoration. Time of restoring that which was lost during 2020. This is where we are now. So let's look at some of the biblical examples of people that have lost something and what did God do to them and how did it end. So the first one we'll look at is Job. And we're going to just touch on him. There's so much in him, this uh, book of the Bible, but we're going to just look at the first chapter and the last chapter. In Job 1 and verse 12, it says, God said to Satan, All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's house with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, and they stole all of your animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burnt up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and your daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. And suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the houses and all the sides. And the house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped. To tell you, Job went in one day 
from being a successful, happy family man with everything that he could imagine to zero. Everything lost. All his wealth, all of his children, all his, everything he loved was gone in one day. And what was his response is the question that we have to ask. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground before God. There's a place for grief in the process. If you lose something, even a loved one, there's an absolute pl place for grief. And then he fell down before God. Let's carry on. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. The first thing he did, well, he didn't blame God. He didn't get all upset. Do you think he had reason to be upset? Do you think he had valid processes to saying this is not fair? I don't deserve this. Why me? There's so many other things he could have said. And what he said was praise Jesus. Praise God. Everything I got came from God. And if he's taken it away, it stole him. Because I'm not worshiping God for what I get. I'm worshiping God for who he is. And that shifted his whole way of doing it. And verse 22. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. <laughs> you see, if you go through a hard time, like many of us has, we've lost jobs, we've lost businesses. You can even say the most expensive or big, biggest house in South Africa called the Val Palace of 6,000 square meters is up for auction this week, if any of you are interested. Okay? But that is somebody that had obviously done well before. But what happened in these last six months has removed him to a place where he's got to put his house on auction. So if you're going through a hard time in this time, you're in good company. There is something that is happening worldwide. And if you are surviving, and like mom said, let's testify if we're still okay, if we still have food on the table. It's an absolute testimony. It is an absolute the presence of God bringing us through. And the fact that we as a church can still be feeding people and hand out parcels and have a soup kitchen. It is a blessing of God. And it's such a privilege. Because there Job stood and he'd lost everything. Then we know that there is 42 chapters of Job's friends trying to get him to blame God. And then in the 42nd uh, chapter... God actually rebukes his friends and he sends the friends to be prayed for by Job. When Job prayed for his friends, uh, chapter 42 and verse 10, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all of his trials. I want to tell you there's comfort coming. There's consoling coming. People are going to stand by you that you never expected to stand by you. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking forward to that. 
Take note, people. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, um, and 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Then he named his daughters. And in verse 15, in all the land, no woman were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. We are celebrating Women's Month this month in August. But this time, we are celebrating Women's Time. And this was so out of character for that time. I want to tell you, ladies, you're going to be included in the world that God writes. Don't you want to stand up, all ladies? I want to pray for you. You know, that time the Jewish people ignored the value of woman. But Job operated in a different spirit. He didn't operate in the same place as what everybody else did. He said, I am going to bless the woman. I'm going to put my daughters in the world alongside my sons. Because God was doing something and God was making a statement through this. Lord Jesus, I raise my hand up to every woman in front line and across the world. And I am trusting you, Lord God, to put them in worlds, in places where they don't expect. In outside of the normal, I'm asking you to bless them. I'm asking you to do something special for all the daughters of Frontline. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This isn't actually part of my sermon, but it was just there. I couldn't go past it without taking note of it, that God is doing something special. And the world has far, far too long put women aside and said, women can't preach and women can't be in the world and women can't do this. God is restoring something. And I'm not here to take away anything on the man's role. But I can tell you, God is bringing a supernatural blessing in this time for the woman. And in verse 16, And Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long and full life. You see, that hard time, was only a chapter. It wasn't the end of the story. It wasn't how it ends. I want to tell you that 2020 is just a chapter. Don't fall into the trap of blaming God. In this time, and the times before that, there's people that left church because they had sown and tithed as we have instructed them, and they didn't see an immediate harvest. And they left. Job could have done the same. He said, God, I've given you honor all of my life. It, you, it was so great that God even bragged with Satan about Job. And then things go wrong. You see, we cannot serve God for what we get. We serve God for who he is. Yes, we will get. And yes, there will, is a blessing. But we don't serve God for what we get. We serve God for who he is in good days and in bad days, in pandemics and in the time of restoration. I don't want your th faith in Jesus to be based upon your circumstances. Your faith in who Jesus is as a provider doesn't get changed when things go wrong. 
when things go tough. That cannot change. In Exodus 8, another time of difficulty was when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God was hearing their cry and responding and sending Moses to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. And that is part of what we're crying out to the president right now of South Africa. We're saying, let the people of God go so they can worship God. Let the people be free to worship God. Do not try and hold them in bondage. What happens to Pharaoh if we jump to Exodus 12? After all the plagues came, and verse 31, Then Pharaoh said for Moses and Aaron during the night, Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you and go and worship as you have requested. The very one who said no in the one chapter, when God was finished with him, he instructed and he said, get out. <laughs> He's not saying I'm releasing you. He says, move. <laughs> There's going to come an instruction, church worship. Church, get back as you have requested, as you have asked. You see, we have to ask. We cannot be quiet and just accept what is being said. He had to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he said, take your flocks and your herds, as you said, and gone. But bless me as you leave. The same Pharaoh that didn't want to let them go now says, you go. But you bless me before you go. You don't leave here and take your blessing with me. I understand who your God is. So he said, the, the Egyptian said, get out as quick as you can. Verse 35. Oh, well, let's go to verse 34. The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. Sometimes God speaks about going before you're ready. You can't say, okay, wait, I've got a bread in the oven. Wait, my bread is busy rising. I'm not ready to move now. There's no, this is not the time to move forward. When the God said move, they packed up their half-baked bread, their bread that is in process, and got ready to move. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. You have to do what God instructs. In time of difficulty, listen for instructions. Doesn't matter if they make sense or not. And the Lord called the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. Whatever they asked for. And they asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. You have to ask. You have to ask. You have to hear when God gives the instruction to ask. You cannot just sit and wait for the redemption. You can't just sit and wait for the thing. You've got to ask and say, God, where must I ask and who do I ask for? And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. The time of restoration is a time of wealth transfer. Are you going to be transferred from or are you going to be transferred to is going to be decided on your attitude. It's going to be decided on how you follow the instructions. But this is a time of wealth transfer. This is a time of God opening doors. I heard 
of a restaurant that cost somebody millions of rand to open, that he gave away for one rand in this time. Somebody has got picked up a restaurant that cost somebody else millions for one rand. Yes, they had to take on the the debt and things with, but not the four and a half million rand with the debt, just the monthly commitments to staff and rent and things like that. Because somebody said, I need to focus on other things. I can't focus on this right now. So there is extreme opportunities in the midst of crisis. I'm talking about extreme opportunities. What kind of opportunity are you trusting God for in this time? Or are you just sitting back and saying, okay, Am I waiting for this to go past? Maybe one day I'll get up again. Maybe one day I'll survive. Or are you aggressively saying, God, I'm looking for those moments. I'm looking. I'm ready, Jesus. Give me that opportunity. I'm standing in line waiting to take that transfer. David's mighty men. It's about time and time again the Philistines attacked. And David's men were there in the time of attack. Are you there at the time of attack? Or does your knees bend and buckle and you run away during the time of attack? David's mighty men comes out. Oh, I didn't put the scripture in. The, the, men, the names of the mighty men whom David had, Joseph and Taconite, and they all had many names. And um, then there was the one of the three mighty men with David that defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel has retreated. Some had run away during the time of trouble. But three guys said, we're staying with David. We're not running. We are staying. And he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Because three people stood up and said, we're standing with you. Even though hundreds was attacking and hundreds were running away. There was a great victory. God just takes one or two or three people to say, I'm here. I've got my sword and I'm going to keep on fighting. Doesn't matter how tough it gets. Doesn't matter how difficult it gets. Doesn't matter how frustrated I am. Doesn't matter if everybody else has run away. I'm standing. That is what God is taking for. And the people returned after him only to plunder. Those who ran away came back after the fight. and said, let's pick up that which was left. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. So again, they fled as each one had their piece of patch of lentils or other translations talk about a pea patch. Everybody fled, but this one guy parked himself, Shammah, parked himself in the middle of his pea patch. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Yeah. Oh, people of God, what is your area of responsibility? It might be just a worthless piece of pea patch. But take a stand in the middle of it and saying, this is mine. Nobody is touching it. This is what God has said over me, and I'm not giving it up. I'm standing here. You're either going to carry me away from here dead or you're going to run. But I'm going to stand here. It's time that the church of God stands up and stands in the middle of what God has given them as an authority over and says, I'm not moving. I've heard what God has said and I know that restoration is coming. Right now, it doesn't look like restoration. Right now, the flood is coming against me. 
right now everything is not working the way it should be going. But God has put me in the middle of this pea patch. My pea patch is front line. And I'm standing in the middle of front line. And I'm saying, Satan, you can come as many times as you want. You can regroup as many times as you want. As many as they want can run. But God has said to me, Hannes Vessels, you stand here and I'm standing. My hand is tired and the sword is stuck to my hand. But I'm standing. And I need men and women of God that's going to say, I'm standing. I'm standing. God has said, this is our pea patch. This is ours and here we stand. Restoration will not come if you run. Hey, I'm glad to be preaching to people and not a camera. Whoa, sure. I can't see a thing. <laughs> then there's the story where Israel was besieged. Samaria was besieged in 2 Kings 6. And uh, the king, Ben-Hadad, um, mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city, and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung was for five pieces of silver. When you start buying dove's dung to eat with your last bit of silver, you must know it's in a tough time. And uh, then... Somebody asked the king, please help me, my lord, the king. And listen to the king's answer in verse 27. If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? He answered, I have neither food nor wine to give you. Before the woman actually says what she wants, the king says, I'm helpless, I can't help. I've given everything I have. I've got no more food or wine left to give. But I'll listen to what you have to say. And she tells him the story about the two moms that tried to eat their babies the first day, the one mom's baby, and the second day, the other mom's baby. And now the mom doesn't want to give up the baby the second day. And um, verse 30, when the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And verse 31, he says, may God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day. There's in a pandemic, in a time of trial, in a time of famine, people turn against the prophet. People turn against the one who declares the word of God. People get frustrated with the one who's doing the work of God. And we know that he sends the messenger to the, to the house to get him. And while Elisha was still speaking, the messenger arrived, verse 33. And the king said, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? You see, the king tried to solve the problems himself. And he got frustrated because it wasn't working. Because his plans didn't work out. And God was taking longer than what he was used to God taking. In that time, it took longer than what he was used to God taking. We have to be a people that stand firm in the midst of hard times. Church and serving God is not only um, roses and moonshine, a lovely time where there's nothing wrong and we sing Kumbaya day to day here together. Yes, we'll have a great time at the picnic, but sometimes we have to stand and saying, you can count on me. I'm not going to turn on you, even though I'm frustrated, even though things aren't working out the way I'm expecting it to work out. Then in chapter 7, the next verse, 
Elisha replies in 2 Kings 7, listen to the message from the Lord. In the midst of famine, open your ears. I can tell you that your pastor battles with this. I can tell you that your pastor tries to look for answers in all kinds of other places when there's hard times. But I have to hear the word of God that says, listen, don't lend your ears out to everybody else. Don't look at the circumstances. Look at God when God says, listen to what the, hear the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of fine flour will cost only half an ounce of silver. And 10 quarts of barley grain will cost only half an ounce of silver. So where just a day before, a cup of dung, dove's dung cost five pieces of silver. Now you're going to buy a whole barley of grain, uh, 10 quarts of barley for only half a piece of silver. It's a complete turnaround. And God is prophesying it. And what is the response from the king's people? The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. What do you think God can't do in this time? What is that which you have said is impossible? I must stay in the camera shut. <laughs> and I must keep my social distance. You see, we can think that it can't happen even if the Lord opens the windows of heaven. Life, trouble, failure, things not going the way we thought they were going to go makes us say it's impossible for even God to do it. Don't ever say it's impossible. It is impossible for me and you, but for God it's very possible. And God is going to do it for you even when you think it can't happen. Even when you think it's impossible. God still has a plan. Those who are without work, stand up, please. Those who need God to do a miracle and work, stand up. Even if you're standing in your home, stand up at this moment. Whatever happens, don't declare it an impossibility for God. Don't declare it that God can't do it. I don't care. If I say that, people get upset. But I'm not phased by how many times you've applied and how many times you've been turned down. I'm not phased by how long it's taken. I know who my God is and I know what he has said and I declare now in the authority given to me by Jesus as an apostle over this house that work and business opportunities will come in the name of Jesus. The impossible will be done. The impossible will be done. Everything that was lost will be restored, says God. Everything that had been laid on the altar will be restored, says the living God. Listen. That can't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat of it. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. If you see it happening, but you can't partake of it, because at the time of crisis, you lost your faith. At the time of when it came against you again and again and again and again, Come on. Satan managed to wear you down. 
We can't blame him and we can't look down on him because we are the same. We get worn down by the attacks of the devil. Then we start doubting the word of God and we say, even if God opens the windows of heaven, he cannot restore what I've lost in this time. Don't you dare say that as a frontliner. Don't you dare say that if you're part of this pea patch. Because God has said, this is our place to stand. And God is declaring, even if you're blaming Elisha or blaming the person that God has given the word through, or whatever has happened, you have to believe God that he's going to open the windows of heaven for you. He's going to do the impossible. He's going to restore what you lost many times over. Just like he did for Job. Sure. So what do we do in a crisis? If we look at just these few examples, and there's many other examples, Jesus himself is the greatest example. Understand that the day that Jesus died, which felt like a big loss, that the greatest victory on earth was ever taken place. When Jesus went up to heaven and the disciples thought, what now? That's when they got empowered to step out. That's when the wealth transfer, the anointing transfer, the responsibility transfer happened. So sometimes in the midst of a crisis, there's a transfer. Are you ready to pick up that responsibility transfer? What do we do in times of crisis or loss of if you're under attack? If you're taking blow after blow after blow and you don't know where to turn anymore. You be like Job and you fall on your face and you worship him. Because it's not about what we get about from him, it's about him. It is about him. It is about you, Jesus. It's about nothing else. And doesn't matter how tough it gets, we will fall on our face and we will worship you, Lord Jesus. We will say, praise the Lord. Not upon what we've got or received, but because of who you are. And what you did on the cross. You don't need to do anything else for us. You've done more than what we ever deserve already. Anything else that you do for us, Jesus, is just a love gift. And you don't need to do anything more for us. For, to get our worship. Don't ever blame God. Man, Satan will push you and push you and push you to try and get you to say, God, I'm tired of this. I blame you, Lord. I'm upset with you for this. If you have, fall on your face and repent and say, God, it's not you. I know what your plans are for me. I know what you have said about me. Keep on asking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. What did the Israelites have to do to the Egyptians? They had to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And they had to stand up and shout it. And say again and again, after every plague, Moses had to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He couldn't stop when the Pharaoh said no after the first plague. He'd say yes and then change his mind. And then say yes and then change his mind. And then that yes, no, yes, no situation can wear you down. But don't allow yourself to be worn down. Keep on saying, let my people go. And I am saying to you, President Ramaphosa, let your people go to worship now in Jesus' name. We will not stop asking. We will not stop requesting. It is time. 
just like the Israelites were busy baking their bread, the bread was busy rising. And I, as a baker, know that if you move it while it's busy in its process, it will fall flat. But they had to grab that bread up and put it on their shoulders and walk with it. Don't care if it rises or doesn't rise, but they had to be obedient. It's time to be obedient. Knock on the doors and ask the people. Very importantly, the Israelites had to go and ask the Egyptians. Give us some clothes. Give us some silver. Give us some gold. It's not just going to fall in your lap. You have to go and ask for it. You have to go knock on doors. Say, God, which doors must I go knock on in this time? Don't sit and wait. Knock on doors. Even if you're tired of knocking, even if you've knocked the whole day yesterday, then this morning get up and go knock again because God is going to answer the knocking. God is going to respond to your knocking. Keep on believing. Don't give up when you're tired and weary. Satan wants you to get so tired of asking. He wants you to get so tired of standing in the middle of your pea patch. He uh, Philistines came and came and came again. But not one day did that man say, I've had enough now. Whoever came onto the pea patch had to deal with his sword. He said, over my dead body. We need some Christians with backbone to say, over my dead body. You're not going to touch my family. You are not going to bring division in this place. You are not going to touch my finances. I will stand here and declare the word of God again and again and again. I don't care how many times it takes. Have some backbone, people of God. Resist. Fight for what is yours. Do not allow Satan even an inch. The pea patch in the big scheme of things might not be, have been important. By the moment you give in, you'll give in again and again and again. And Satan will take and take and take until he takes the thing that is most precious to you. He won't stop just at the pea patch. If you're not fighting him at the pea patch, you're going to fight him at your door. If you don't fight him at the door, you're going to fight him in your room. So what I'm trying to say is that wherever you see Satan moving on you and your family, you stand up and you fight. You declare the word of God over every situation. And you don't stop doing it. Don't let Satan take an inch. Never run. When the pressure is on, don't run. It's the wrong time to run. I will not die with a spear in my back. I'll die with it coming from the front because I'll stand facing it every single time and every time. Because God has said, stand. Don't run. Don't despair like the king did. When they asked him, even before they asked him, he said, I don't have an answer for you. If God can't help you, what can I do? And I understand and I relate to that king's despair. I relate to the fact that when people ask for help, you cannot help them. You have nothing left to give from yourself. I relate to that king's situation. But I know one thing, and when I turn to my God, and I go hear what he has to say. I hear the prophetic word that came this morning. I can stand up again. And I can face whatever comes that way. We can never despair. We must believe the prophet. We must believe when the prophet says, it's going tomorrow, it's going to be a different day. Don't say it's impossible. Don't make the word of God out to be worthless. 
take it deep inside of you and say, I'm hearing what you're saying, God. I don't know how you're going to turn this situation up. I think it's too far gone. It can't turn around. I, in my mind, I can't see a turnaround. I don't know. Even if you open up the windows of heaven, I don't know how it's going to change. But I know when you said it, you're going to do it. When you have declared it, I can trust in it. And we cannot stop believing. Expect the sudden breakthrough. Go from famine to plenty in just one day. Go from having to eat your children to plenty in the next day. Going from having lost all your children to seeing four generations of children and grandchildren and living 140 years more of blessed life. This is only a chapter, people. This is only a chapter. Oh, Holy Spirit, come in and work in this place. Come and give us new fire in our bones to stand up against the work of the devil and declare you will not touch our family. You will not touch our finances. You will not touch the things that are precious to us. You will not touch our church in Jesus' name. God has given us a voice and we're going to speak. We're going to speak it out and we're going to declare the works of God. Family of God, wherever you are listening from, wherever you are watching, whatever you're facing, I declare that there is a new day coming. I declare that this season also will pass. I declare that God has a breakthrough for you. Yes, for you and for me, God has a new plan. It is time that we stand up in our pea patch and we believe in the living God that he is going to get us through. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray for everyone that has lost a loved one. I pray for everyone that has lost a job. I pray for everyone that might be infected in this time with this pandemic of COVID-19, and I speak healing and restoration and multiplied restoration in Jesus' name. Satan, you will give back everything you have stolen. You will give it back now in Jesus' name. We are opening up the coffers of hell and we're saying there will be a wealth transfer. There will be a blessing transfer. Everything you have stolen you will return in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.